Apple hits all the time. We are family. double-digit case. We're busting ours. Pick yours. Fun to watch. Minus 15. Respect all, fear none. Into the upper deck. Intensity is not a perfume. Oh, mercy. Five, four, three, two, one. From inside the warehouse at Oriole Park at Camden Yards, it is the Mass and All Access podcast brought to you by Marymount University. Visit MarymountSaints.com to learn more about our student-athletes and programs today. As always, Paul Mancano joined by a very denimed out Bobby Blanco. Yeah, it's my, it's my look now. That is hilarious because I used to never wear denim. Really? Yeah, I was not a big jeans guy. I was always more I'm, of a cat guy. We talked about this. Yeah, I'm, I'm still not a jeans it's guy. It's a... Uh, Definitely a, a all boys Catholic school look. Where yes, just wearing those every day. Um, but just finally found a pair of jeans that fit me, and then I was like, "All right, I'm working work with this." And then found the the top. Just kept going from there. Yeah, I mean yeah. the shirt isn't denim, but the the, the yeah, pants is. are for the. Uh, oh no 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 the the shirt. Oh, uh, undershirt no. Undershirt yeah, yeah. is not. But it's denim colored. Denim colored. Very do you blue. Have a, do you have a true denim jacket to go along? I with do. That I do. It's actually in my car right now. Um, I chose not to wear it. Oh, yeah. that could have been a full. Uh, I was wearing the, the full denim look on Saturday. Yeah, I was at a wedding. Oh no, excuse me, Friday night. A denim wedding? Yeah, not a denim wedding. It was kind of out in Leesburg, Virginia, um, in a barn type area. But the rehearsal dinner after party type thing decided to do all denim. So this denim shirt actually. With uh, a darker colored jeans and Why old um, denim? a denim jacket and a bolo tie, um, just for fun. That just was their fun. decision. It's kind the, of the no, no, no. It was kind of a, it was a cowboy themed actually. So it's like oh boy, the bride wanted to wear everyone to wear like cowboy boots and stuff, and I was like, I don't have cowboy boots, but I can rock all denim like a cowboy <laughs> and a bolo tie like a cowboy. So I'm gonna do that. Did you previously own a bolo tie? Yes, I have wow. done this outfit before. I showed up to a wedding last fall in all denim. That was more of a... Is it the same group of friends? No, well, yeah, actually, well, my best friend from college, last year's wedding was a buddy from college. This was okay. his sister's wedding. Um, but last the, the, the first wedding was more of a, let's uh, kind of be silly and have silly attire. I, I, have, I could go on. That, that now was, they were that serious was a whole cowboys. ordeal. Um, Wow. But yeah, so right, yeah, rocking the denim. It's fall. It's a good look. For I the, feel like. It's for comfortable. The, for the bolo tie, I've never owned one or worn one. I'm guessing it's just like, you don't have to actually tie it. No, it's, it's, it's just it's like, like a, a string, zip. right? Or yeah, is it, it's yeah. kind of like a zip. I mean, it's just, there's like a clip on the behind where it right. just like, you know, it just kind of presses on the, the like string to yeah. tighten it up. Um, mine like kind of gets me right here on the neck. Is that kind of like a little too like, tight I, there? Yeah, I have to keep it a little loose because like there's the way it's shaped. Right, like it's looks like, like a little guitar a, pick or something. Kind, uh, some some look like that. Mine's more of like it's got like edges, it's like edges around, and it's got like a point at the top, <laughs> it it like right in the neck. Yeah, yeah so I got to kind of had to loosen it up a little bit so it wasn't like ugh, choking the entire time. That just makes me think of I'm um, showing my age here, but uh, Doug Dimadome, Dimsdale Dimadome, Dimsdale from, Dimadome, uh, <laughs> fairly <laughs> odd parents. Yeah, um, yeah. Well, I will. Uh, Never wear a bolo tie. <laughs> never say never. I never said the same thing. Yeah. Just, oh, just a little over a year ago. And wow. look where we are. Good to know. Good to know. Um, by the way, Amy Jennings, of course, as always, uh, producing this podcast. Uh, doing a great job behind the scenes of coming from her 3 a.m. Uh, shift. Mm -hmm. double, doing double duty. Um, there was a podcast recently. Do you know Josh Hart uh, in the, from the NBA? 
former Villanova oh, basketball? Not Josh Hartnett, the actor, but Josh Hart, the basketball player. Got it. Yes. Okay. Josh Hart, not the... Yeah. Not Josh Hartnett. He's an actor. Okay. Okay. Was, was different. Different. Okay. Yeah. Uh, he is uh, has his own podcast, and mm-hmm. apparently he what was. Athletes do that now. Yeah. Apparently, and apparently he was on his podcast and uh, said, hinted at something he was going to say that he was going to disparage the Lakers organization that he played for, and the uh, podcast, the producer on the podcast says, "Well, go ahead and say it. I'll cut this out later." And he says it and is basically says, uh, it's it's like a trash organization or whatever he said. I don't know exactly. And the producer kept it in. Did he just forget to forgot cut it? Forgot to cut it, oh I think. Oh my god, that's a nightmare. What a betrayal. What a that's a nightmare. We yeah. have on our before we used to do like these video podcasts and we would just do audio, like we would have to sometimes like stop. Like, all yep. right, wait, hold on, go back. Let's cut we'll cut that out. Exactly. And my biggest fear was always we're gonna forget to edit something out. Yeah. Like, and 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 put it up and, and it's just, just gonna be a disaster. Say something just terrible. Inappropriate. So, yeah. Amy Jennings, you hold our lives in your hands. So uh, thanks so much. No pressure. She at all. seems thrilled. Um, so of course uh, we are in a little bit of a lull as we get ready for the winter meetings. Things hopefully should heat up after that. Um, some exciting stuff coming uh, our way in terms of uh, what's going on around here, though, because. We have the winter warm-up, which is coming up, mm-hmm. um, which is uh, one of the things that the Orioles are doing kind of to um, come up with different ways to engage with fans. Uh, of course, FanFest is no more, but winter warm-up is now a new creation by the Orioles organization. Sounds like an exciting ev- event hosted by Rob Long, MCing, and of course, Michael Elias, Sigmeidel will be there. Um, it's going to be hopefully a little bit warmer. It won't be like true January. Um, yeah. I don't know what the weather is going to be like in a couple of weeks, but uh, should be a good time here yeah. at Royal Park. It's it's, it's smart. It's, it seems like one of those like in season special ticket events that they would hold. Like usually at the end of the season, or like um, you know, and you don't have to be a, a season ticket member to to, to do this yeah. to attend this event. But it seems like one of those events where you get like special access to the ballpark um, and, and you know get to have like it's not a meet and greet but like a kind of a state of the union type yeah. uh conversation um with uh sigmaidel and michael Elias and obviously masson's rob long hosting like you said um and, and be, be right they're basically turning utah street into winter wonderland which is i think yeah. it's, it's a really good idea um condensing it from it's, it's not replacing fan fest but like it's condensing fan fest um in terms of it's being in the holiday season the holiday spirit you know from like a nine to six day at the convention center to just an 11 to two afternoon exactly. here at the park so yeah it should be a really great time i'm imagining those tickets are flying off the shelf um I'm looking at Rakubako's blog right now, and when he wrote about it after the announcement, I believe it was yesterday, last night, right? Yesterday afternoon. Mm-hmm. And just seems a great fan response. Fans seem very excited for this. They seem real, you know, 50% off the team store all day. Yeah, like, that's, that's pretty that's, clutch. Like, yeah. right in time for the holidays, too. Get stuff for your exactly. favorite Orioles fan. Um, uh, yeah, that's it should the be best part of the it should thing. be a really really cool day down here in Utah Street. Yeah, exciting for that as well. Uh, and of course, as mentioned, winter meetings are just around the corner. And uh, after that, not only is the 2019 year done, Bobby, but the entire decade is complete yeah. from 2010 to 2019. A lot of people are kind of taking stock of the decade. It's kind of the you know everybody likes to take the month of December and how see, many like, top 50 music lists are we going to see? Yeah, when, or like top. 
I saw a top 100 movie, movie list. Top 100. Yeah. yeah, it should be usually 100. 100 movies, TV shows, well, music, I've, songs, I've got another one for albums. You there, Bobby. What's that? It is uh, top 10 plays, or top 10 games, rather. Games. Of uh, the decade. Top 10 Orioles games of 2010 to 2019, which is, of course, an arbitrary cutoff. Mm-hmm. But it does kind of uh, work perfectly with the Orioles window um, with, you know, their competitiveness. They didn't really start to, they, they got Buck Showalter uh, in 2010. They didn't really start to turn the corner until 2012. When they made the wild card game. They made the playoffs three times in that six-year, uh, in that five-year span. And, of course, they had more wins than any other American League team in a five-year span. So there were a lot of good moments of this decade. You might not be able to say that from 2000 to 2009, but 2010 to 2019, there were a lot of good times. It was a great time to be an Orioles fan, and it was a time where this franchise really took a turn, we thought, for the better. Uh, and then now they take another turn as well for the better. But, I mean, it was so much fun, especially for lifelong fans who were around, like, our age, um, being in our early 20s and, and during our college years. Because yeah. up to that point, like you said, between, like, 20, you know, we barely remember the 90s teams that were made to play those those couple of years and the only really great thing about Orioles baseball for the long time in the 2000s was like the end of Cal Ripken's career yeah. and we also talked about Brian Roberts with his baseball hall of fame nomination um the last the other week uh but like him in those years with Miguel Tejada and Melvin Moore those were really good years but other than that there was not much to root for for this team and then, you know, a big trade happens. You get an Adam Jones. You get a Chris Tillman. You draft Manny Machado, number three overall. You get Jonathan Scope to come up. And, the, and it kind of just, you mentioned Buck Showalter. It kind of just picked up some momentum and, and turned in really good, fun years for Orioles fans uh, between really 2010, like you said, and 2016, 2017, maybe first half of 2017. Exactly. It was an exciting era of Orioles baseball. Yeah. And it was a very defined era. You know, it was it was – a consistency throughout that entire era with yeah. those those franchise guys there with you um, pretty much the whole way. Um, so I decided to compile a list. Uh, I have not put them in order. Um, and right now I have more than 10, but I figure we can maybe lop one off the list. Maybe uh, we can arrange them in a certain order and get some feedback as well on these because I'm sure there are personal favorite games of fans who are listening that are not going to be mentioned in this. And uh, there are games that I'm sure I'll mention that, other people would never have thought of or might not think deserve to be on the list. Right. So yeah. um, we're going to go through these as well and uh, just kind of reminisce on some of these games. These are very appro- This is a very appropriate uh, exercise for this time of year because <laughs> I feel like the holidays, you know, we're recording this on Wednesday before Thanksgiving, you know, Christmas and Hanukkah, New Year's are right around the corner. And every, you know, it's like it's like a family telling the same 10 yeah, family yeah. stories at like Thanksgiving dinner or Christmas dinner, whatever it may be, uh, every single year. I mean, these are like, I think we picked 10 pretty obvious ones, like you said, mm-hmm. um, or you, I should say you picked them. Um, uh, and these are going to be the 10 games that Orioles fans, like from our generation and and older are going to yeah. be telling their kids and grandkids, oh, I remember those years with Manny Machado. Oh, I remember those years with Adam Jones and Buck Walter. Exactly. Uh, so they're going to be telling these stories over and over again for years to come, which is pretty funny. Exactly. All right, number one on the list, Bobby. I think, I think this is going to be number one. It's the first one we're going to talk about, but I think most fans would put it right at the top in terms of games of the decade. 2014 ALDS Game 2. Delman Young, of course. The Orioles were trailing 6-3 to three to the Tigers, headed into the bottom of the eighth inning. Delman Young, three-run double off the wall in left field. Um, 
The Orioles take the 7-6 lead on that double and, of course, go on to win. Most people have said who have attended that game uh, have said not only that it is the it was the loudest that they've ever heard Cam- Oriole Park at Camden Yards, but a lot of people I've heard have said it's the loudest they've heard any stadium ever. Yeah, um, this was the first game that came to my mind when you m- brought this exercise up to me uh, before we started recording. And it, it is, I think, unanimously has to be the best game of the decade because it was just an incredible moment to come back and it completely changed the complexion of that series in the ALDS. Cause you know, they were on the verge of going back to Detroit tied one, one coach, a couple outs away. And then that, compl- and obviously the Orioles ended up sweeping. And this was the moment that changed that just completely knocked the whale, this wind out of the uh, tiger sails. And yeah, uh, I've heard, I mean, <laughs> my girlfriend w- was at this game on a whim and you, just, and I was like, when I, I found out, I was like, you were at game two. <laughs> right, yeah. Oh my, like, and I felt, I was not at game two because I was actually in Nats Park covering the Nationals and NL, uh, NLDS game one that year. And I remember being like, I mean, being at a playoff game is pretty cool, but I was like, oh my gosh, I could have, I would have given anything just to be in our studio or any yeah. in the vicinity because, I mean, apparently Oriole Park Academy was absolutely rocking. The stadium felt like it was shaking. It was, you could hear it from across the city. That is yeah. the monumental moment of the decade. And, and and it might be one of the monumental moments in Orioles history at this point, just because it was yeah. it was it was unbelievable and, and the drama that it ensued afterwards and all the and I remember the call and it's down and at the end and he scored and uh just it was just an incredible moment for, for the O's and that's uh, by far number one for me. Our boss Spiro Alafasos broke the garters or guards on the windows Mm -hmm. in order to lift up the window to hear the Orioles fans during that game and in that moment. Uh, Yeah, it was a pretty incredible moment, of course, uh, for the Orioles. And and maybe you might make an argument that that was maybe, what, the second or third best moment in Camden Yards history going outside of the decade if you put 21-31 at the top of that list? Yeah. Yeah, I think think you could definitely make the argument. I mean, it wasn't... It was... No, it wasn't one of the first postseason games in a long time, but it was the biggest postseason victory yeah. in over a decade, probably since the nineties. So exactly, and and that the, you felt like, and I think what made it so big, and because I know the Orioles made the postseason in twenty twelve, but the wild card game was in Texas that year, and then that was the first year that they introduced the wild card game. Never forget the Orioles won the first wild card game ever. Yep, um, but that's when they did the. Division series where the lower seed hosted the first two games and the higher seed would then host games three, four, and a possible five. Yeah. Um, which is backwards, which is incorrect and weird. But so the first two games of the ALDS against the Yankees were here. So the Orioles couldn't really win the, couldn't win the series here, which was, and they ended up splitting. Um, but you just felt like Baltimore was building up to that moment in the Delma Young double. Just they wanted to erupt so badly in a playoff game, and they finally got the chance. And, and I mean, no Orioles fan will ever forget that moment. There are two other games from that ALDS uh, because, of course, it was a sweep. That I think just the fact that they swept that series, and you look at the pitching matchups yeah. of that series, yeah. it was Chris Tillman in Game One. Uh, going up against, I believe, Max Scherzer mm-hmm. was the starter. Game two was Justin Verlander versus Wei-Yin Chen. Game three was Bud Norris versus David Price. Yep. And Anibal Sanchez came off the bull- out of the bullpen in one of those games, I believe. 
That is ridiculous to think that the Orioles swept them in yep. that series. If if anything, you would think it would be the other way around. Um, and the fact that the O's swept them in that series and they only played the one game uh, on the road is ridiculous. So the other two games, I think, deserve mention. I don't know where they would be on a list. I think they would easily be on a top 15 list. Mm-hmm. I think for now we'll stick them in the top 10, but uh, fans might disagree and just kind of boot them. But I, the fact that they were playoff wins in a playoff series that was won by the Orioles, I think, deserves mention. Uh, so game one, Max Scherzer versus Chris Tillman. Uh, Orioles led 4-3 in the eighth. It was a close game. And then once again, the eighth inning uh, was the the <laughs> magical one for the Orioles. They scored eight runs in the bottom of the eighth um, and took game one against the Tigers. Yeah, and I kind of, you're right. I think these these games had to be mentioned, especially because it ended up as a sweep. Yeah, um, and it was their first playoff series victory in however long it, w- it was. Uh, but yeah, it's it's definitely the pitching. The fact that they went through those three Cy Young <laughs> winning pitchers, and not to mention, like, you talk about you know the matchups, but le- you look at what Bud Nor- Bud Norris pitched six and a third scoreless innings <laughs> against the Tigers in Game Three, and then they only needed Andrew Miller and Zach Britton to close it out. Yeah. Um, and it was a close game throughout. After you know the first two games were twelve to three. You mentioned the the big game, uh, eighth inning in the game one, and then obviously seven to six in game two. I, I kind of bunched these together. I think game two is a separate thing. That moment yeah. by itself was a separate thing. But then you think about the whole series as its whole as a whole. Maybe are mentioned yeah. as as one of the top ten moments in this decade, just because ended up in a sweep. They ran through a gauntlet of a pitching starting pitching staff. Um, and it was the first postseason victory and so, uh, series victory in so long. Yeah, in that game three, Zach Britton, as you mentioned, closed it out. He allowed a run in that eighth inning, I think, to um, uh, J.D. Martinez, who was on the Tigers at the time. Um, and Nelson Cruz hit a two-run homer in the sixth, and that was all the O's needed. Um, three very different games in that series, yeah. too. Um, of course, the game one ended in a 12-3 to blowout, but it wasn't like that most of the way. Um, game two was the comeback seven, six, and then game three, um, was of course that two to one win. So if they didn't score eight runs in that eighth inning in game one, it would have been, uh, three one run games that they would have won that series. And then you also think about game three. I'm looking at the box score now. I I forgot about this part. You mentioned Zach Britton giving up the run. So it's two to one in the, in the bottom of the ninth. Then it gets a strikeout with two outs, but then Buck Showalter intentionally walks the tying run. Yeah. And of course, Zach Burton gets a double play to close it out. So yeah. it's like, <laughs> it was a very close game and a very, even though the Orioles had had all the momentum in that end of that game, it was still very close to the end and nerve wracking because, you know, we, I'm sure every O's fan was having flashbacks to the Tillman's young double. And then be like, Oh my God, the Tigers are about to get their payback right here. But uh, Zach Burton said, nah. Yeah, exactly. All right. One more playoff game. I do want to mention, uh, uh, a couple more, actually. Um, going back to 2012, of course, 2014 was the first series win for the Orioles in a while, but they did get their first playoff win, postseason uh, win, uh, at home since 1997. Uh, October 8th, 2012, they beat the Yankees 3-2. to Chris Davis, two-run single in the third. Mark Reynolds, an RBI single in the sixth. Wei-Yin Chen started that game six and a third innings of one-run ball. Um that if the Orioles had won that series, that would have been one of the more incredible 
postseason series in maybe in Orioles history because it was such an exciting series and the fact that they came back in, a, in to force game five, which we'll talk about in a minute, but, but the fact that they won game two, too, um, and, and taken down the Yankees in their first playoffs, a- ALDS in forever. Yeah, and it's I think it's because it's the Yankees that that, yeah. that helps. Um, that, you know, every Orioles fan is going to want to be the Yankees in the playoffs. Yeah, but yeah, the first win and all, like I said, it came at home too because of the weird format that they did with the first year of the wild card game. So they were able to get it at home in front of the home crowd. I think is very special. Um, you mentioned other other fans maybe who who are listening and putting together their own personal list. Like I think we're hitting here the the big obvious ones. And yeah, a lot of fans are probably going to have specific ones to like you know the time I brought my dad to the game for the or my son to the game for the first <laughs> yeah, time yeah. or you know uh, uh, we all did like a, a a night out at the park and it was just so much fun. Um, to me, I remember this game because I my when the Orioles made the playoffs, my dad and I bought tickets and you know. I grew up an Orioles fan because there were no Nationals when I was younger. Um, and being able to go to my first Orioles playoff game, because I wasn't old enough to go when they were in the, in the 90s, um, was, like, very special. And I remember it was raining and cold. And I think we there was rain delays for both games, one and two. And we decided to, to tough it out for game one because it was the first game back. They ended up losing. Game two, we were like, we can't do it back-to-back next. We got to go. So we went home and watched the game, but just still, um, and, and of course the Orioles won, and we were like, Dang. yeah, yeah. But I will always remember because, yeah, like you said, it was the first victory at home in so long in a postseason game, also against the Yankees. Yeah, exactly. And then three days later, October 11th, they forced Game Five with a win in Game Four. Remember, Game Three went to 12 innings, and then. This one also went to extras, and this one went an inning more. Went to 13. J.J. Hardy doubles to score Manny Machado in the 13th inning. O's beat the Yankees 2-1. to one. Eight Orioles pitchers used in that game, and the bullpen pitched seven and a third scoreless innings. Gutsy performance to force a game five in that series. Yeah, and I think this goes one down as one of the... Any postseason game goes to extras. It's just so nerve-wracking. Yeah. And, and especially when you're on the road, because it means you have to close it out on the mound. Yeah. Um, and the, or, and, but obviously the Orioles bullpen, like you said, eight, eight pitchers, but the Orioles bullpen back then was it's, it's strength. And, and they had so many guys to throw out and postseason all hands on deck. Um, but yeah, it's a gutsy effort to force a game five, um, you know, and in that situation, that's all you want. You want the opportunity to try to win a game five uh, and a winner take all. And it, yeah, it was a special performance. Yeah. So definitely. All right, let's get into some regular season games. Let's go from, the games that mattered the most to a game that actually didn't matter, which is September 28th, 2011, the Robert Andino walk-off single in the ninth off Jonathan Papelbon. The Orioles beat the Red Sox 4-3. to Of course, they were not a playoff team at that point. They were around a 63-win team that year. But they did eliminate the Red Sox from the playoffs, and they scored two runs in that bottom of the ninth, came back from a 3-2 to deficit, and Andino walked off the Red Sox. We have the very great Gary Thorne audio clip, of course, of that. So let's roll that now, Amy. Here's the 1-1 delivery. That is it to right field. And no, it's trapped. The Orioles coming with a plane rival. They did it. They did it. They did it. The Orioles have beat the Red Sox. Two runs. Bottom of the ninth inning. Gotta love how pumped Gary Thorne gets for that. 
Especially considering that was the first, that was like the most meaningful Orioles game in a long time, and they were not even a winning team at that point. Well, you, I was going to say, you you started off by saying a game that didn't matter. To me, you know, all, all these are really good games. This is the most important game on this list. This was the turning point of the Orioles being, you know, a, a down team, a downridden team, to becoming contenders. Um, it started it all. This started the whole buck and Adam era of of winning and success. And it was really kind of a message to the rest of, well, baseball, but more specifically the, the ALE said, hey, we can compete with you guys now. And we're, and we're, we're here yeah. to stay for a couple of years. And, and just the way that whole night went down, I remember where I was watching all, because, you know, obviously they knocked the Red Sox out of the playoffs and then you switch over to the, the Rays Yankees games and the was yeah. it Evan Longoria who hit the walk off home run and, and that complete that did it so I mean that was, to see that all that go down in a matter of a couple of minutes I yeah. think uh, was really cool and like you said it didn't mean anything for the for the standings but it meant a lot for that ball club and, and this organization for them to be able to pull that victory off and the way they did to walk it off and really have a turning point in their career and in their franchise's history to be coming back to contenders. That was such a crazy night too, because in the national league, I think at the same time, it was like within, I don't know what the exact time frame, but it was felt like, I think it was under an hour. Uh-huh. The Braves got eliminated by the Cardinals as they came all the way back in the NL wildcard race. It was just a crazy night for baseball the last night of the regular season. Yeah. Um, and the Orioles were a big part of that. And that did kick off, uh, a pretty big error. It might it, it it felt like a big deal at the time, but of course it didn't mean much standings wise. But it was a big deal in the the larger context because the next season, of course, they made the playoffs, and there are plenty of great moments from 2012, including September 13th, 2012. Manny Machado walk off single in the 14th over the Tampa Bay Rays. O's win three to two, and of course that was a great game for Manny Machado in the field as well. And one of the greatest calls from Gary Thorne, uh, maybe ever, and certainly in his mass and broadcasting uh, career. So let's take a listen to that clip. 3-2-2 two, two away. Longoria waiting. Slow ground ball. Manny Machado barehanded. Don't throw it away. Don't oh. throw it at all. What a great play to Hardy. And Wieters will put the tag on him. Wow. 20 years old. And knew exactly what to do. A shortstop converted to a third baseman at the major league level makes the biggest defensive play of his career and keeps this ball game tied at 2-2. The Orioles will try and win it in the bottom of the night. Gary said it all right there. A rookie playing third base came up as a shortstop. In a big-time September game, making a massive, incredibly heady play in the field. And then, of course, he walked it off in the extras. I mean, this was Manny Machado's coming out party. And any Orioles fan who just listened to that and didn't get goosebumps like I just did is not an Orioles fan. Because that, I, I, everyone knows, don't throw it away, don't throw it at all. Everyone says it all the time. It's, it's, it's one of the best calls. Gary Thorne is just a chef's a kiss treasure. of a call. It is a treasure. Um, but... It's it's it was Manny's coming out party as, as a as a rookie, and he it was like you know the first time in that season. I mean, they played well that season, but this was like okay, we, we we've got talent here. We've got young talent that can carry us, carry this team, carry this organization, be the face of the franchise. And, and the fact that I mean, what Manny does there 
like you said, in the September game in the middle of a playoff race, uh, coming in, the, the, situa- the situational awareness. Talk about all the times how rookies really need to slow the game down because it's yeah. just the, the, the jump from AAA or AA to the major leagues is so vast, and the, it's hard for them to slow the game down at times. To, to know the, aware, the situation of the game in that big situation it was just amazing to see. And I, I remember watching it live and just being awestruck. I mean, it was just amazing to see. And then I think that he was, what, 19 or 20, 20. When, yeah. he, when he made that play. It's it just un- unbelievable. The <laughs> situational awareness of him and Gary in that moment. Because, yeah. it lo- I mean, the, literally the camera moves because the, they think the throw is coming uh, to first base. Machado just... Whips that fake the arm, fakes the throw, turns around, sees the runner off the base. An incredible play. And don't forget about J.J. Hardy because yeah. he could have very easily not have been at third base covering. Yeah. Uh, he could have just stayed. At, but, you know, we talked about a lo- so many of the, uh, for those years of how great J.J. Hardy was at shortstop. And that was the reason Manny didn't play shortstop yeah. coming up because they had J.J. Hardy. And what J.J. Hardy, Manny said this too, before, like I think uh, when he left the Orioles, but how much J.J. meant to him. And, and his career defensively, and and you know it's that type of play that a, a young player sees that and can be like, all right, that's how I want to play. Just being aware at all times, and that's why obviously Buck loved having JJ out there too. He was literally the captain of that defense because of plays like that. I skipped over it, but let's go a week back in time, September sixth, twenty twelve. Many fans might remember this as the Cal statue game because that was when the Cal Ripken Jr. statue was unveiled before the game. Then the Orioles' offense comes alive. Six homers against the Yankees. Uh, they're jumping all over the Yankees early. Yankees come back from a 6-1 to deficit in the eighth. Then the Orioles score four in the bottom half of the eighth, retake the lead, and go on to win 10-6. to Matt Wieters... Robert Andino, Mark Reynolds twice, Adam Jones, Chris Davis, all homered in that game. Six homers to to beat the the Yankees um, and kind of take over, you know, as as one of the powerhouses, uh, reestablishing themselves as a powerhouse in the American League East, and to do it on a night when they're honoring Cal, who was on the last World Series team, the last great Orioles team, pretty much. Uh, what a moment! It's it's a special moment, and those are type of types of games like when you're revealing. A statue or retiring a player's number or we've seen them host or whole teams like 75 anniversaries or whatever it may be you know it, it's just a regular season game it's just it should be just a normal game but yeah. those are the kind of games you're like i really i want to win it for whoever's being honored today yeah. you know and and the fact that they did for cal probably one of if not the greatest order of all time and then also against the Yankees and how they did it too. All the home runs. They beat the Bronx Bombers by hitting a bunch of bombs. Yeah. And the names. I mean, think of the names. Um, Matt Wieters, obviously uh, one of their first pet draft picks, uh, strong draft picks. Robert Andina became a fan favorite. Mark Reynolds was a huge fan favorite. Adam Jones was a leader of the team. Chris Davis obviously put the, together those really great years for a long time. So it was, it was a, a, just a – Great day for Orioles fans, all in all, from the Cal statue to all the home runs and, and just beating the Yankees in, in a slugfest. Yeah, and that was how those teams were built. That was yeah. uh, a slugging team in the Orioles um, that really powered them through, of course, the the three playoff appearances in those five seasons. They did it by dominating, <laughs> by hitting the long ball um, at home. So uh, that was a great game as well. All right, let's stick with 2012. I definitely have more here. Oh, yeah. A couple of uh, months earlier, May 6th, 2012. Chris Davis at Fenway Park pitching two scoreless innings 
uh, in a game that we play often on Masson yep. as an Orioles Classics game. Um, two scoreless innings in extras, and the Orioles beat the Red Sox 9-6 to in 17 innings. Adam Jones hit a, hits a three-run homer to put them up in the 17th, but of course the game ball went to Chris Davis in that game uh, because it was his first ever <laughs> appearance on the mound, and he looked legit. Yeah. Um, Gary Thorne had the call again on that one, uh, and uh, Gary Thorne, of course, touched it with his magic. Sweeney and Pedroia, the base runners. That's going to go to short. Could be two. Andino. The Orioles win it. Chris Davis is the winning pitcher as the Orioles have swept it here. They come away with a 9-6 win, and the game ball is taken immediately by Mark Reynolds and given to Chris Davis in his first major league appearance on the mound. One of many magical moments in that magical 2012 season. Yeah, and <laughs> just, yeah, I guess magical, but also just like kind of bizarre. I mean, baseball is so <laughs> yeah, weird yeah, like sure. that. In a, what was it, 17 innings you said? Yeah. And, and not only does Chris Davis pitch an inning, he pitches two. Yeah. And, and puts up two zeros. I mean, that is it's so impressive. And like you said, he looks like he kind of belonged there. He did really well uh, for them to be able to, he got the W. It was like the first Orioles position player to ever record a W in like, I don't know how many what years it was. It was just a very bizarre but exciting game because it went so long and it was so close. And, you know, Buck Showalter had no choice but to throw a position player out there, and it worked out for him. And, of course, we saw Chris Davis pitch this year. And because yeah. at, ever since that moment, fans really started clamoring for Chris Davis to get on the mound. Yeah. Because, uh, yeah. He you want, and cause <laughs> like, you know he can do it. Um, yeah. Uh, and then he gave up not? a home runner to uh, Jonathan Scope this year, but that was unfortunate. Uh, yes. <laughs> What comes around goes around. Yeah. But uh, Wellington can – no, not Wellington. Uh, oh, my gosh. Who's the other catcher? Who's the catcher this year that pitched? Oh, uh, Sucre? Uh, Sucre, yeah. That was another. This is Sucre, yeah. And, of course – He the, pitched well, too, didn't he? He pitched a scoreless inning. Yeah, and, of course, though the West Coast game, I believe, went 17 against the Angels this mm-hmm. year. Mm-hmm. Um, that'll – that's not history maybe the of, win of the season. Yeah, and not history of uh, position players pitching for those – yeah. Worked out. Worked out indeed. Started right. with the Chris Davis. Uh, let's jump ahead two years. Sticking in the regular season, September 16th, 2014. O's clinch the AL East for the first time since 1997. Steve Pierce went yard in that game. Tommy Hunter on the mound to close it out. And uh, what a celebration at home as the O's uh, clinched the American League East. Yeah, that's uh, it's. this is an important game. Uh, the first championship since... Championship, but since '97, division title at home against the Blue Jays' arrival, and you know, I got so many of these calls sort of echoed. And Jim Hunter with the perfect Orioles are champions, and like the celebration on the field with the fans, you know, I just automatically picture Adam Jones running around the the lap of the field with the flag and and pouring beers on fans and, and like throwing stuff in the crowd. I mean, it was just a really cool sight to see and. And it meant so much to the fans here, um, and, and obviously the players. They worked so hard to get to, you know. They obviously they made the playoffs two years before. Thirteen was kind of a down year, but to to, to finally win the division in a tough a- uh, AL East, it was it was really impressive. Uh, not to mention for us here at Masson, I don't think you were here yet, Paul. But I was not. That was our first clinch miss. The Nationals also clinched that it's the very same night, so it was a busy <laughs> night here in the warehouse. Yeah. Um, but being able to see the Orioles do it at home, which, which was really, really cool and really special. And that was a special team. Yeah, that was absolutely a special team. That was the best 
team of the decade, I think you could say, easily. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, not just in regular season, winning 96 games, but of course, uh, advancing to the ALCS. All right, one more game. I think we're, this is number 11, so one of these has to be lopped off, but we'll, we'll get to that in a minute. August 19th, 2017, of course, not a playoff year, but I remember being here and covering this game mm-hmm. uh, for social, I think, tweeting this game when Manny Machado, three homers in that game, including a walk-off grand slam to beat the Angels 9-7. to Zach Britton caught that ball yep. from the bullpen out in left center field. That was just going to show the the specialness that Manny Machado was bringing to that team. And the, the fact, it, it was just another reminder of how good he was um, in an Orioles uniform and how he could carry an entire team. Yeah, and... You know, these are two guys who were supposed to be. I know Zach Britton technically wasn't a part of the play, <laughs> but you, you you could yeah. see him in the highlight, and and those are the faces you would probably think of when you think of this that moment. And those are the two guys that everyone thought would be corner pieces for this team for a long time. It obviously didn't turn out that way, but yeah, real special moment. It was it was a what was it ninety seven, but it was kind of a back and forth game, and and obviously the orders were down because the grand slam was the one to walk it off. But yeah, it was it, it was. An, Another one of Manny's really spectacular moments, and I remember the uh, uh, the one in Chicago when he hit four home runs in his first four at bats. That was a really incredible moment too. But this one yeah. was kind of the first one, being like, "This dude is special. Yeah, he's got that it gene, and whatever it is, he has it um, because he makes spectacular plays both in the field and at the plate um, when it counts the most." This time it was Jim Hunter, not Gary Thorne, but a spectacular call nonetheless. Center field. Did he do it? Back it goes, and that ball is gone! It's out of here! There's a walk-off grand slam, and the Orioles win it! A three-home run game for Machado. Just another one of those moments where he had already had two homers in the game, and he comes up to bat, and you're thinking, there's just no way. There's no, there's way. no way he can do it again. But then you see that swing, and you're like, <laughs> oh, of course he did. Yeah. Like, that swing, I mean, he yeah, just had just one of the smoothest swings there are in baseball. I, mean, I, I talk about yeah. he's not playing anymore. He's not just not playing here. But he, the one of the smoothest swings in baseball. It seems effortless, and the fact that he crushed it to the bullpen, uh, man, it was. It almost felt like, and then of course the bat flip too, like the yeah the arms up to the the dugout. It, it, you know, it was like you mentioned, like there's no way he's going to do it. But then, like when he did, I'm sure everyone's reaction was, of course he did. Yeah. Like, oh, like, why do we ever doubt him? Yeah, exactly. All right, let's try to put these in some kind of order. We have them all in front of us. Uh, if you're trying to keep track in your head, we have the 2014 ALDS game two. We have the game one of that ALDS game three. The Manny Machado walk off, as just mentioned, Grand Slam. Chris Davis pitching two innings in Fenway. Machado's walk-off single in the 14th in 2012. Don't throw it away. Don't throw it at all. Uh, 2011, Robert Andino walks off Jonathan Papelbon, the Red Sox. Cal statue game. O's clinch AL East in 2014. Uh, 2012, O's earn first postseason win since 1997. And three days later, O's force an ALDS game five. Number one, very clearly. Yeah, ALDS game two. Everyone knows that game as game two. It's, yeah, it's got to be number one. Do you have to put another playoff game in the second slot? That's the question. So are we? We're doing the best games. I think greatest. Yeah, great greatest. So I don't know if there's a difference be- between best and greatest. Well, I would say the greatest. <laughs> like best is like oh that that was a really good baseball game. Like there are orders have some good games 
that could be a best game that they ended up losing. But greatest games, you know, you obviously have to win. They have to be meaningful. There's something being celebrated about okay. it. Yeah. Um, That's a good point. So I think we can take, I think we can bump down the 12 to 3 win in ALDS game one because I wouldn't describe that as a great game per se. It was a great game, not the greatest. Right. Yeah. Um, okay. Yeah, I can, I can agree. So I think number one, I would, I would definitely put game three over game one because okay. that ended up winning the, the series. Exactly. Okay. Uh, so we're going to put uh, a 2014 ALDS game two in the first spot. I think we might have to put Manny Machado, don't throw it away, don't throw it at all in the second spot, to be honest. Okay. Yeah. I think that was a great game in a playoff race in September in the first time that they made the playoffs since 97. Yeah. Yeah, yeah I might. think that's that's a very fair okay. uh, game to do. Um, I really, and this is where we might differ Personally, I really this Robert Arandino walk off in eleven against Jonathan Papelbon okay. has been pretty high. Again, yeah. to me, it just signified the turning point for the Orioles to become competitors, um, and really we're going to be like, hey, we're here to to play. And and the fact that it knocked off a fierce rival, yep. out of the postseason, and just the way that whole night played out, that was a great moment for the, for this team. Even though, again, it didn't mean anything in the standings or how the twenty eleven Orioles finished. It just meant a lot to that team and this fan base to accomplish something. You always want to beat, knock yeah. your rivals out. You always, you know, if you can't win, my rivals can't win either. I'll accept it. Uh, game uh, fourth on the list, I would go with the uh, ALDS game three when they advance to the ALCS, and right behind that, I would put the Cal Statue game at number five. So I would put actually the uh, clinching the AL East at okay. five. Okay. Um, again, just a very important, like another. Huge moment. I mean, not that the Cal Satchel game isn't a huge moment, but it didn't have any greater significance other than honoring Cal Ripken and beating the Yankees. Right. Um, clinching the AL East for their first division title in almost 20 years is, is a very big moment, especially for a storied franchise like the Orioles who had struggled for so long. That's fair. All right. Um, beyond five in the bottom half of the list, I think one of the wins from 2012 I think it's O's Force Game 5, uh, October 11th, 2012. I would put that at 6, okay. perhaps because of the stakes of that game. Yeah. And the fact that it went to Extras. Uh, 13 innings. Yeah. Um, and then behind that, it's close. I think I would go Chris Davis pitching two scoreless in May of 2012. Have you put the first postseason win up there yet? I have not yet. So again, I think I'm going to put that higher than the okay. Chris Davis one because it just—I mean, Chris. Not that that game wasn't great; it was just a, a freaky game. It was yeah. obviously very fun to watch, but it was a game in May, so it didn't have a much greater significance other than it was a 17 game and a position mm -hmm. player pitched two scoreless innings. Whereas, you know, their first postseason victory in however many years it was—15 years—is is pretty special. Um, so again, to me, that just has a greater significance um, to the overall. Or as an organization than the Chris Davis pitching two scoreless innings. That's fair. And then I think the only one that we have left is the Manny Machado walk-off, I believe, correct? Did we miss any? I think so. I think you're right. Yeah. And you're, So you're putting that last? I would probably have to. I yeah. think every other game had more stakes and 2017 not a playoff year. Yeah. Yeah. And obviously the way that you ended up. I mean, I guess you got to look at it the, great, the greater picture. Um and it, it, it's along the lines where great moment, a great moment for an individual player. Mm -hmm. But, you know, if we're talking about the team, overall team, we'll always think about 
Manny's best moments as an Oriole, that'll come up. But Oriole's best moments of the last decade as a, as a team, I don't think that can. Yeah. Yeah. And, and a, a great individual performance, but it didn't have any other significance than Manny Machado hitting three home runs in a walk-off grand slam. And, of course, these are just our opinions. Yeah. So if you yeah. think we're wrong, please let us know. Um, and if there are any games that you think we might have missed, because I'm sure there are going to be there are 162 games in a season, there are going to be games that um, were fan favorites, maybe personal favorites of yours that we may have missed. So please let us know uh, which ones deserve to be on that list. Of course, you can tweet at us. I'm at Paul Mancano. He's at Bobby underscore Blanco. Please review, like, subscribe, all that good stuff uh, on our new Orioles stream on the Mass and All Access podcast. Um, and, of course, at Mass and Orioles on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, all that good stuff. And, of course, the Mass and Orioles uh, YouTube page. Uh, so uh, uh, be uh, subscribing, liking, reviewing, commenting, all that good stuff. Yeah, anywhere you can find the, um, where you found the Mass and All Access podcast, you can find the Mass and All Access podcast, Orioles Slide Now, just search Mass and All Access or Mass and or Orioles, whatever, it'll pop up, it'll be right there. It's a completely different stream than it was before. Um, and you can subscribe to that and spread the word that we are two separate streams now. So uh, if you just want O's content, that's where you find the O's content. Exactly. And of course, the Mass and All Access podcast is brought to you by Marymount University. Visit MarymountSaints.com to learn more about our student athletes and programs today. He's Bobby Blanco. I'm Paul Mancano. Thanks to Amy Jennings producing Behind the Scenes. We'll see you later.